This is the Marketing Hero Podcast by ClearPivot, turning marketers into heroes. Welcome to the Marketing Hero Podcast. Did you know that we also have a newsletter? That's right, you can join today at clearpivot.com slash newsletter to get monthly emails with our best tips on topics like effective lead generation, creating content that attracts and connects with your prospects, and how to get started with inbound marketing. Sign up for the Marketing Hero newsletter at clearpivot.com slash newsletter for SaaS marketing insights that will move your metrics. Welcome back. I'm your host, Maya Morgan-Wells. On today's episode of the Marketing Hero Podcast, I'm talking with Dave Fink, founder and CEO of Posty. Over a 20-year career, he's generated hundreds of millions of dollars in ad revenue, powered viral sensations like Dollar Shave Club, and helped launch celebrity startups for Jessica Simpson, Mary-Kate and Ashley Olson, and Kate Bosworth. Now, as founder and CEO of Posty, he's out to reinvent direct mail marketing for a digital world. Our conversation focuses on the story of how Posty developed and executed their own go-to-market strategy and marketing plans. Dave Fink, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Really glad to be here. So we're going to start out with a question we like to ask all of our guests, Dave. What is your favorite part of your career and how did you figure that out? It's a great question, and I think when you get to 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 be my age and you've been been kind of in the business world for over twenty five years, there there are there are lots of different kind of moments that you can look back on and and see, yeah, you know, uh, faster acceleration in personal development or achievement or whatnot. But you know, I think recency bias plays a heavy hand in 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 your memory. And you know, right now, I feel really fortunate to be, you know, a part of of building and running a company that that's kind of been built in our mind's eyes um, from a, a cultural perspective. And you know, especially kind of navigating all sorts of craziness, you know, transition to distributed work during COVID and the reemergence of the workspace during the post-COVID um, time and space. It, it the one thing that's re- remained very consistent is is who we are culturally as a company the type of people that we've worked really hard to onboard support develop the kind of overall tone and um that that really kind of lends itself to the work environment we've created that i think makes us a special company um creates tons of longevity in our employee base and um and and regardless on whether the the task at hand is challenging or easy whether the client engagement is successful or less successful you know we're we're hitting key milestones or or struggling that the culture never changes and so you know to kind of sum that up i, I really think um that at this point in my career i'm i'm most proud of of the environment that that i've participated in creating and and the way that we're hopefully enhancing our our team's lives, which then translates into I think the way that we're perceived by clients and partners in the world. Can you tell me a little bit more detail about that culture? What comprises the culture? What is it like? What are the main elements or values that you're trying to instill in your employees and in the work environment? I'd like to dig into that a little bit more. What is the culture? Sure. 
So, you know, we're not one of those companies that has those, you know, five bullet point value statements. You know, we try um, to to build culture more authentically and, and organically. And, and really a lot of that's, you know, leading by example and being very, very thorough, hiring slowly and, and ensuring that, you know, we're not just hiring for capability, we're also hiring for potential and, you know, personality and quality of, of individual. So I, I would say some kind of high level themes that, that go into the culture that we're trying to build. One, you know, we're, we're, we're trying, you know, we try very hard to hire for, for capability over you know previous achievement you know, there are people that have been in you know in great environments and have you know been able to achieve there are really really capable smart people that just were in um not the right fit and did not have the opportunity to achieve so you know we go more deeply into what someone's potential what someone's capability what someone's desire and motivation um you know and and we want to create an environment where they have freedom and flexibility regardless on whether they're you know an entry-level position or a very senior leadership position to stretch their legs and 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 really contribute at a high level which which you know, you know tends to resonate with them as an individual and 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 that sense of achievement becomes more than just a job so, so that's something that we focus very heavily on. We also, you know, I, I think, you know, fancy our ourselves as as enjoying, you know, being surrounded by really smart people, um, really thoughtful people, and that can be, you know, thoughtful in their field. You know, PhDs in in machine learning and data science and physics, biology. You know, make up our our data science teams, and you know, we have you know a number of VP of engineers. That um, that are, are running different product, um, you know, uh, divisions and our services organization are just the highest level, you know, thought leaders in the space. And our sales team, you know, is is very much not a boiler room sales mentality. It's a very consultative group of people. And 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 so Jonathan, my co-founder, and I think have always just gravitated towards you know very you know, deep thinking type people. And, and we've hired the type of people that we like spending time with, which encourages us to put in long hours ourselves and really lean in with our team. So, you know, th those are, I think, some of the kind of unique, you know, personal, um, uh, you know, qualities that we aim for and the type of people that we hire. And then the foundational stuff really stems from, I think, our belief that there are two big buckets of, of company types that exist out there. And both you know, can be very successful. You know, on one side, and, and they're more numerous, I think, is the opportunistically type you know, built um, companies. And, and what I mean by that is you know, more companies are, are built because there's a founding team that has you know, some domain expertise and, and a vision of, of you know, how to launch a company and, and understands how to manage a P&L and go to market in that space or build product or, or services in that space. And, and that's great. And, and there are many, many, you know, very successful companies. The, there's a, 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 a fewer um, number of companies that are mission-driven. And, and when I talk about mission-driven, I, I don't necessarily mean that, that these are companies that are going out and trying to save the world and, and solve the most challenging social or political you know, it, problems. What I mean by that is that you know the, the the business was founded with the mission of solving a very specific pain point or problem, and that could be a small, um, you know, nuanced um, problem, or that could be a more macro problem. 
but that the entire foundation of that business was was built with that mission at hand. And I think like that's yeah, that that's our company. That's posty for sure. Um, you know, our you know, we get up every day very much focused on on the mission behind uh, the problem that we're trying to solve, and we make that very clear in all of our communication, whether it's with our product or engineering or data science teams or services or ops teams or sales teams or marketing teams, and um, and I think that just because that that um, theme gets carried through everything that we do. Can you tell me a little bit more about that mission? Is there a mission statement that all of these different departments live by? One is what is it? And the second part of that question is how do you maintain that consistency across all of these different people who are working in different areas of the business? Yeah, that's a constant struggle, especially in a world where where many of us are still working distributedly and we're not sitting shoulder to shoulder in an office space anymore. Yeah, the mission of, of, of Posty really stemmed from a uh, pain point that that we as marketers were feeling and that you know, the, the marketers that we worked with were feeling. And if you think about kind of the evolution of, of marketing the last, call it 15 years or so, it really, you know, the, the common theme has been the dominance of two, you know, behemoths of walled gardens, Google and Facebook. And I think anyone who's in marketing has spent, you know, a tremendous amount of their time and energy and team build, focusing on how to how to play in those walled gardens, and and there are many businesses that have singular fail points. You know, in you know, Facebook goes down for them. You know, iOS fourteen rolls out and the algorithm changes everything. They don't, they no longer can target on on mobile, etc. And their entire P and L falls apart. We we we've seen that you know day in day out. We started seeing that um, risk about seven years ago where we just had this over-dependence on Facebook. Facebook, you know, certainly kind of reared its ugly head and made it, you know, known that, you know, it's going to do what it needs to do to, to appease, you know, Wall Street. And, and that's its, that, that's its mission. Um, and, and so really the mission of Posty was how can we, you know, leverage a 20 year, you know, knowledge base of, of quantitative marketing across you know a number of digital channels and and take the technology and data and knowledge and workflow and apply it to other channels to help you know diversify the typical marketers um, demand gen stack you know the channel that we started falling in love with and realizing was big scalable had you know lots of interesting use cases of data similar to, to digital had direct measurement had the ability to test optimize happened to be direct mail, so physical mail, but our mission wasn't, hey, let's recreate direct mail. Our mission was, you know, let's give marketers some other big, powerful tools that can help them take back more control of, of their marketing stack and pull it away from kind of a, the two-headed monster. And so how do you try and infuse that mission into the everyday business, especially in a dispersed team? Yeah, so I, th- I think that comes from both, you know, really thorough onboarding when you hire someone new. It comes from, you know, constant reinforcement um, through, you know, formal conversation as well as informal conversation that permeates each division. And and it's thinking about how we kind of tactically, you know, train our, our teams to differentiate ourselves in the market, whether it's by product, whether it's by use of data, whether it's by the way we run ops, whether it's by marketing and storytelling and demand gen, whether it's by sales and services, 
And uh, an example, you know, may not be so obvious, you know, would be, you know, take our sales team. You know, we, we you know, definitively believe that, that that initial discovery call with a prospect client sets the entire tone for the entire relationship. They can become one of our biggest clients three years from now. And that initial discovery really, really kind of laid the foundation. And what I mean by that is, you know, a good discovery call um, becomes just very naturally inquisitive. And so we we try very hard to practice and train and educate our account executives to not go in and sell, but to try and learn as much as they can about a prospect's business and tease out some of these potential pain points that that we think that they may have and that that we may be helpful for. Well, if you think about that, right, by by focusing a lot of energy on not just the posty pitch or, you know, the elevator pitch or all these things that you know so many sales teams focus on, but but focus more on, um, you know, engaging clients and 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 the inquisitiveness of of learning about their business, that that really helps us kind of I, I think that establishes our interest in really solving problems, and so we try and do that. Yeah, you know, every step along the way, when a, a product person or engineer brings a product idea, you know, it may be shiny and exciting and something neat and leveraging the latest technology, but we always you know, will go very deep in, in kind of questioning like what led you to this, this you know, product idea? What problem does it solve? What pain points have we seen that we're not currently solving? How does it enhance some core feature that is delivering value in the market? So I think, I think it's, it's, it's not so much like the, the the grand gesture of standing on a stage at a quarterly you know uh, you know company training. It's just the little threads that get woven into the day in day out um, way that we you know we all engage with each other and externally with with clients and prospects. All right, Dave. So mission driven company definitely keeping an eye on that mission with every small thing that everybody is doing. But I'm sure that you went about developing some sort of go-to-market strategy in the beginning, right? Uh, can you tell me more about that process of taking it from the idea, from the mission into that go-to-market plan and how that then influences your marketing plans? Yeah, sure. I, it, I And I will be honest, I, in hindsight, wish we had... Um, we got a little deeper uh, on our go-to-market planning. I, you know, we we started out with this hypothesis of, you know, could we leverage technology in and kind of this like twenty years of of knowledge and digital to build really an, you know a channel management or ad serving solution for the direct mail space, and and we looked at it and we said like, hey, this is a fifty billion dollar space and there's nothing out there that even resembles this set of tools that that we're interested in in building and, and that we as marketers would want, and and we didn't know if that was because it just had not drawn the attention of, of the entrepreneurial community yet, or if it's because people tried and, and, and it just was too hard, it wasn't possible. So the, the, really the first you know, six months were all about could it be done, what needed to be built, and it was just a dedicated focus on product, 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 and, and we believe that if we built the product um, and could, well prove that the, the product could be built and then built it, that 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 would be the foundation for 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 a successful business. Um, and again, it's just the nature of that mission driven approach, right? And we had a little bit of that field of dreams. I think silliness of if you build it, you know, they will come, uh, which which actually did work. Um, now it worked because 
you know, the, the found, founding team had such deep relationships through kind of the consumer brand world that we were able to have a number of conversations early on with CMOs and VP of demand gen, et cetera. And, and it, the same pain points, you know, that we were having definitively were running through the, you know, the fabric of, of, you know, the brand and marketing world. And so the minute we would mention what we were doing, we hear things like, oh, dear God, get me off of Facebook. You know, if this works, we're in, we'll, we'll you know, be your first testers. So we had that that luxury of, of you know confidence that we would have enough beta or alpha users to to really kind of prove product market fit, um, and that did us that service really well, and, and we built a profitable business you know, from year one. You know, the 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 bigger we got, we eventually started tapping out of our in our own network, and then it became more of a game of thinking about um, demand gen and. Our chosen path was interestingly to not to invest in marketing, which was a mistake, but definitively a mistake. We would do it totally differently if, if we could, even though we've been successful, um, we invested in, in sales infrastructure. So our, our belief was we had a, a complicated product that had a high price point and, and was a high consideration um, you know, sales cycle. And so we need to hire very thoughtful, very consultative, sales individuals, and we did that. And the truth is the sales cycles because of it went really smoothly. However, we weren't feel, you know, feeding their pipe efficiently. And so at one point we had a whole demand gen team that was really you know, a, 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 you know, high paid account executives that were acting as their own SDRs, they were doing their own research, their own outreach. And, and so we then started trying to solve our own problems, which was, well, hey, we have these really talented salespeople, wouldn't it be great if they were in spending more of their time in sales cycles, less of their time doing research and outreach. So then we built out an SDR la layer and um, and all of a sudden that started working. And then, you know, we had started looking at these SDRs a year in and said, you know, these are incredibly talented people that are very successful, but they're limited in their time. Wouldn't it be nice if we had a top of funnel kind of lead flow going so that we could get, get you know, um, prospects a little deeper into their, um, you know, decision process by the time they even engage with our SDRs, certainly by the time an SDR um, introduced them to an account executive. And that finally led us to, that's so silly, we're a marketing technology platform here that's not marketing at all. And so it became, <laughs> now let's build, let's build out our marketing team, let's build our demand gen, let's build out a real holistic go-to-market. And we've been, you know, leaning in over the last, call it year and a half, and lo and behold, it's like, of course that works, right? Um, so we did it a little backwards. So now that you know what you know now, what would you have done differently? Would you have started by building out that top of funnel lead gen engine first? What would have been the vision, you know, looking back with 2020 hindsight? We would have done it simultaneously. So, so we certainly would have invested in the same three buckets, but at the same time. So we would have looked at... Um, at you know, sophisticated, deep thinking, consultative account executive layer, um, but not as many. We would have looked at at the same time complementing those you know that that team with a uh, a an aggressive SDR team, motivated SDR team, and at the same time building out our marketing infrastructure, everything from product marketing to lead generation to demand gen um, to lead nurturing and retention 
that, that just would have happened simultaneously. And, and I do think that we would have um, accelerated even faster. I'm not complaining. Um, I'm very happy with where the business is, but unquestionably, if we were to start today, we would have we would have hit all three of those layers at the same time. So now that you do have all of those layers in place, can you take us through a typical buyer's journey with your company, what that looks like, and when do they move through the different stages and maybe even how you you help them to do that? Sure. And, and I'll take, you know, the ideal you know, um, funnel, which, you know, isn't how 100% of, of deals get done, but, but I think, you know, at this point, a high percentage of them. So, you know, stage number one is, is really defining our, our ICP. So, you know, we have a product offering that reaches a very, that's appropriate for a very broad, um, you know, ICP, but nonetheless, there's, there are lots of companies that fall outside of that. And so when you start thinking about actually investing in demand gen, and then the time, uh, um, you know, of your, your sales team and your sales leadership team and your SDR team, et cetera, you want to make sure that everyone's focusing, you know, budget and time on, on accounts that it, you know, that if you engage in a sales cycle, they truly are likely to be good fits. So, so that's where it all starts is, is, is mapping out our ICP from an account level. And then it's mapping out those organizations to understand who the potential decision makers are and who the um, you know, potential uh, decision influencers are and in and and kind of cultivating an understanding of what each of those those teams look like then from there it's feeding our demand gen so we run all sorts of programmatic media um, targeting that icp and the the prospect buyers um, that we've mapped within those icp and that's you know, certainly all of the digital channels you know we you know eat our own dog food and, and leverage you know offline media like direct mail but we really take this um you know, educational process, lots of um, promoting of case studies and white papers and um, research data points and examples of use cases, um, you know, what capabilities that Posty and the channel provide that are different than the way that someone might, you know, traditionally think about direct mail. And the idea is we're really trying to warm someone up to, um, to who Posty is, kind of building that, that belief that um, an investment that or desire to make an investment from the potential buy buy side um, before we even have you know, personal contact with them. From there, we're trying to feed our funnel, but we're also at the same time running um, uh, you know, direct outreach with our SDR um, team and, and in some cases our, our AEs as well, um, trying to engage um, you know, those individuals within our, C, our ICP in, in initial discovery conversation. And with some portion of, of those at, at different times throughout the year and different times throughout the month, we finally get hand raisers and, and we're scheduling, you know, in most cases, we don't need to qualify them because we've already qualified them prior to putting them into our, our ICP funnel. Uh, and so we'll engage in a, in a discovery call. And, and that's kind of leads back to what we talked about before, where during that initial call, you know, our goal is walk away from that call really understanding the, the client's pain points and needs, um, you know, kind of their dreams and fantasies, um, you know, understanding what their buying journey looks like, um, the problems that if we could solve would be an easy yes for them. We want to understand what they're currently doing in their marketing stack, what they're currently doing in, in the direct mail channel. And, and hopefully at, at the same time, educate them at a very at least high level, um, kind of giving them, you know, a product and, and posty company overview so that, that we're kind of doing this trade, right? They're sharing 
their needs and their um, challenges. We're sharing our capabilities and, and some of our solution. And at the end of that call, the goal is to reach consensus that it makes sense to have a follow-up call, ideally with um, anyone that would be involved in the, the buying decision to actually um, walk them through a demo. And because we have a very deep product that is differentiated, that demo call tends to be a mic drop moment for us. There, there are very few circumstances, you know, we're, we're fortunate where, where a prospect walks away at that point and isn't, you know, like somewhat dumbfounded that, that, that the capabilities exist in direct mail. We're just doing things very differently. And, and during that demo call, the goal definitively is not just to show off our product, but it's to, to use all the, the, the knowledge that we pulled from that discovery to make sure that we're using the time that we have with these, these busy people wisely to help them, you know, walk away, not just with the wild posties, you know, has amazing capabilities, but they really understood, you know, Posty really understood which of those capabilities solve the, the pain points that we have. And at that point, the, the goal is to get to a place where we have enough information, they have enough information, so they believe that we're a good solution for them and that we can move to the third phase of the sales cycle, which would be um, presenting a proposal and starting to wrestle with them on kind of mapping out the, the ideal engagement. And, and from that point, we try to move to overcoming any objections that are, um, that exist oftentimes between that stage and the, the, the final, you know, close one, close loss stage. There's this internal on the buyer side, you know, phase of, of, of building consensus internally. So yeah, the, the type of commitments that are being made with us, you usually require a number of, of different individuals signing off on. And that's the hardest part because we're oftentimes not directly involved in that. And so we are constantly looking for ways to leverage marketing support to feed additional content along the way that helps the buyer that's running the process on, on the buy side to build consensus internally, knowing that we're not going to be there to, to control the, those internal conversations. And when it all goes well, that ends up being a, a signed contract. And then we move that to the onboarding and an executional phase. Thank you for taking us through that. So if you are listening and you are in the process of having a startup in your life, there you go. Uh, Dave has just mapped it all out for you. Just follow the instructions. You'll be great. Um, I have to ask you, Dave, I heard some doggies in the background. What are your dog's names? We have an 11 year old, 17 pound fluff ball um, named Ella. And then we have an 80 pound, one and a half year old uh, fluff ball uh, named Skylar. <laughs> Ella and Skylar. Okay. Well, welcome to the Marketing Hero Podcast, doggies. Thanks for joining us. They're famous. Um, nice. Before we go, I would like to just ask you one last question, which is, if you can share with us the juice on a challenge that you have faced, I'm sure that marketing a company, building this company from scratch, as you've been talking about, kind of backwards, starting with sales and then kind of getting marketing involved at a later point. Um, I mean, that's got to be challenging. So what was, do you think, the most challenging part of that? And give us the juice on how challenging that was, what happened, and what was the solution? Gosh, there are so many challenges. Just today alone. Um, it's hard to isolate, you know, one specific challenge. I, I, I think, you know, it's very time specific. 
a, a real challenge that we all had to face was how we migrate from a workplace environment to a distributed environment and not lose momentum, not lose um, our interpersonal connections with, with each other. And, and probably the number one you know, micro challenge in that um, category would be how we, we onboard and kind of indoctrinate new hires into the post culture knowing that they're sitting, you know, in front of their computer in a room by themselves for, for most of the day, that, that, I mean, definitively is a challenge we've all faced. And so I think some companies have done it better than others and some are okay with distributed work on an ongoing basis and others are fighting like heck to try and get um, employees back in the office because maybe they, they didn't succeed as much in, in keeping that culture. So I, I would say, you know, we could be here for a whole podcast talking about the challenges. It's, it's yeah, absolutely. and constant, but, um, but that was a big one for sure. Definitely challenges all around. Thank you for sharing with us about that and your successes and the entire customer journey that your prospects go through. All of that information is extremely helpful for our audience here at the Marketing Hero Podcast. Dave Fink, thanks a lot for joining us. You've been listening to the Marketing Hero Podcast by ClearPivot. Be sure to join us next time. For more information, visit www.clearpivot.com.